Welcome to Between Two Chairs, Demystifying Commercial Real Estate, the podcast that brings you the latest insights and trends on the South Florida commercial real estate market with your hosts, Fernando Arencibia Jr. and Jennifer Woolman. In each episode, we dive into the world of commercial real estate and break down complex concepts to make them accessible for everyone. Whether you're a real estate professional, a curious investor, or just interested in the South Florida market in general, Between Two Chairs is the podcast for you. So pull up a chair and join us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, a very special episode of uh, Between Two Chairs. Uh, my name is Fernando Arencibia, and with me, as always, is the incomparable Jennifer Woolman. Hi, Jennifer. Hello, hello. Good morning. We're super excited today because we've got James Constam with the Beacon Council. He's the Executive Vice President of Economic Development for the Beacon Council. And we have him on because we feel like knowing your state, local, and county economic development agencies are very, very important so that you know where real estate is and more importantly, where it's going in your area. So thank you so much for joining us, James. I know you guys have been super, super busy. James has directly managed over 200 economic development projects that have generated over 15,000 jobs and $3 billion of investment for Miami-Dade County. Um, We're going to have him talk a little bit about himself in a little bit, but I wanted to let you know, Fernando, I think one of the reasons that you guys get along so well is that he's a former English and history teacher. So I didn't know if you knew that. Fernando was also a former high school teacher so um and he's still both james and fernando you guys both still have the heart of a teacher oh thank you that's awesome so james tell us a bit about yourself and your role with the beacon council yeah thank you well first of all thanks so much for having me great to connect in the new year and looking forward to, to the conversation so I'm a Seattle native, born and raised. I moved to Miami about 20 years ago. Didn't really know much about Miami uh, when I came. It just so happened that my then girlfriend, now wife of almost 20 years, is born and raised in Miami. So we came here and I started working at the University of Miami and did my master's in international administration there. And then I met a guy named Manny Mencia, who uh, many of your listeners may know, but he's been the longtime senior VP for international investment for the state of Florida, uh, now retired, but got me into, kind of clued me into economic development. And so I joined Beacon Council. It'll be 18 years this February, quite a a number of years. Um, And what's been fascinating is when I started, we were just at the kind of the tipping point or the end point of the last real kind of run on Miami. I thought, you know, coming into economic development, well, this is easy. Everybody wants to be here. Uh, Miami's hot. And then so quickly it changed in, in 07, 08, of course. Right. And then that was kind of just like holding on for the ride and seeing where the community goes. And, and of course, the kind of the long build uh, out of uh, the last recession. But that really gave me some perspective, particularly on Miami, but just how cities kind of ebb and flow, the, you know, where the opportunities for growth are, where those those pitfalls and challenges are and how we can build our economy in a way that's more sustainable over the long term. 
it's been, uh, as you mentioned in the intro, a number, you know, a number of great projects and opportunities that we've worked on over the years. Eaton Council's historically primary focus, and we can maybe later get into some of our new strategic plan that our CEO just rolled out uh, in the last few months. But uh, we've been really focused on the core of traditional economic development, business recruitment, and retention. It's all about job creation, quality jobs that are paying at least the average wage or higher have benefits or in target industries where we see, you know, real growth opportunities. You know, Miami has been able to have some really uh, great wins over the years. This has been a, a market that I think I have one of the, the more fun jobs uh, out there because you're kind of in the mix between private sector, you know, kicking the tires and, you, you know, you learn about all these uh, different interests of what companies are trying to do and the public sector of government trying to manage some of that growth and, and the challenges along with it. Get to uh, travel around the country, around the world and tell our story. And people love to hear about Miami. It's, it's, um, it's a market that you can pretty much go anywhere in the world and, you know, people know what Miami represents. A lot of times it's, you know, sun and beaches and fun, and that's great. But that gives us at least if, if that's it, at least it gives us an opening into a, you know, a, a further conversation. About it. Great. And how has the Beacon Council's goals or focus changed um, since you've been there? You know, like, like any industry, there's, uh, there's trends. There are things that are global, national, or more local, regional trends that kind of impact what we do. So, uh, again, kind of that core base function of what we're trying to accomplish in, in growing the economy based on job creation, that doesn't really change. Of course, the metrics, the, you know, the expectations increase every year, uh, which as it should, and, you know, as our market grows. But it's interesting, you know, um, there was a time, I, you know, we go back to when I f- first started and, and we'll remember when uh, Jeb Bush was governor and there was a big push for life sciences and healthcare. And there was a lot of money put into you know, some of those programs that, that brought into South Florida some, some big names. And, uh, you know, and I saw a lot of growth in aviation. Obviously, tech now in the last decade has been kind of technology-led economic development or the growth of a community through the tech industry has been a huge focus. Building that ecosystem, that entrepreneurial ecosystem has been a big uh, focus. And then uh, in the last maybe five, six years, the, the conversation of, of equity and inclusion that was was always there, but but clearly elevated into I think uh, you know more of a dynamic discussion among a lot of businesses. Environmental sustainability and the UN sustainability goals and just environmental resilience clearly is another major uh, conversation uh, for business. So all of those you're you're constantly trying to understand what are those national trends, how they fit into you know business discussions. I think the other constant is always talent and how talent drives business locations. Historically, I think we were always trying to compensate for what was uh, maybe not always correctly, but the assumption was is that we just didn't have the talent in South Florida, that our institutions weren't at the same level as X or Y. Uh, That conversation, I, I really do feel has changed in the last four or five years. Companies are specifically wanting to invest in Miami because of the talent. Now the question is, do we have enough of what they're looking for? Do we have enough engineers? Do we have enough uh, financial professionals or whatever? That's something that we've long focused on. I think the challenge is where, where's an economic development agency you can really bring impact into the talent question uh, while you have 
your colleges and universities really producing that talent. You have the businesses that are uh, obviously hiring it, but uh, there's that opportunity to try to bring the public and private sectors and the education institutions together in a way, you know, grow the economy. I think that's an interesting point because you say five or six years ago, and that's about right. I remember when um, you know my kids all grew up here, they went to school through Miami-Dade County Public Schools, and we have one from graduated from UF and another one from Florida Gulf Coast, but they're both they and their friends all thought, you know, we have to move away um, to get the job. So it was kind of like a chicken or the egg thing because the jo- jobs that they were looking for weren't here. But now, my especially the oldest son who's in finance, all his friends were coming back or most of them are coming back. They had gone to New York. They'd gone to San Francisco for tech and finance and they're coming back. So thank you for the work that you do because I hated the fact that they were gone. Um, But uh, it's really nice to know that they're coming back and that there are those job opportunities for them here. Basically, she's thanking you for bringing all of her kids back home. I wish I could take credit for that. But, but you know, that, that's part of my I, I have a, a 14 and 12 year old. And I hope that I, I don't know if you know what their you know path will be. But I, I, I hope that they will at least have the option if they want to stay in Miami, that there are all the options and opportunities for them here as they could find in another uh, market. And that's been a motivator for me. Great. Well, thank you. It seems to me that there are so many changes and, you know, I, I love the fact that you have the perspective being born and raised in Seattle and then being here for 18 years, you you still have that bird's eye view, you know, where we have a colleague that always says that investors come into Miami, those that have been born and raised in Miami, they kind of see development from the ground floor, right? You're driving through the spaces, but people that are coming in from out, out, out of town, they're seeing it from a bird's eye view because they have to take a wider lens to really understand the market and to really understand where they're what they're coming into and I, I wanted to ask you I had a question about how you've seen Miami Day change to me I think over the last three years we've seen a rapid change in the conversations that have been in the ether about Miami and some of the misconceptions and and, and perceptions regarding for example the talent pool has to me changed dramatically over the last two three years and we always uh, tell our brokers and really anybody who listens that the Beacon Council is an incredible resource and, you know, following the Beacon Council is really an important component of, uh, you know, for us. And so I, I really wanted to ask you because, you know, there's so much to say about Miami-Dade County. You could talk about quality of life. You could talk about the pool of talent. You could talk about the economic conditions that are in the state of Florida overall, right? And 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 Miami as a global business center. You could speak about our infrastructure, our ports, our airport, and we're still a very young city. So when you're pitching Miami-Dade County, what what are you know what are your top three things that you want to convey uh, about why it would be a, a great idea for corporations to bring their business to Miami? You're right. There, there's so many different ways to kind of uh, skin that. And I, I think part of that, you know, whoever you're talking to, obviously you want to know your audience. And so trying to understand as best you can walking into that room, what what are their decision drivers? What's important to them? But, you know, to try to answer your question, talent has to be number one, even if maybe you don't think it is. It's got to be. It is the essential component for any business location. 
You can talk about incentives. You can talk about taxes. You can talk about infrastructure, you said, but none of those things are going to ultimately make a business successful if they can't operate with the right people. And what's, what's really exciting is not only the great talent that we produce here, you know, we're still more than 50% foreign born. We have people from all over the world that are choosing to locate them, you know, to move themselves to Miami. And as we know, a lot of the migration to Miami is, are, are people with professionals with degrees that are coming from, you know, for a variety of reasons, political, economic, or otherwise. And they're bringing, you know, that, that's a huge benefit to, to South Florida. Uh, but then some of the domestic migration that's happened, or, or I should say increased in the last few years. I mean, wealthy people or people of means from New York relocating to South Florida is not necessarily a new story, but it has increased, I don't know, tenfold. And the that opportunity for us to continue to attract folks from not just the greater New York area, Chicago, California, uh, that conversation has, again, really changed. So talent is number one. I think business climate is another big one. That includes, yes, we've got a great tax regulatory climate. You know, we talk about a, a welcoming and open uh, business community. What does that really mean? And everyone says, ah, we're open for business, but okay. There are a number of, of times, this is always, I think, you know, something that makes us feel good where companies say, you know, we've been in X state or city for a decade, or we have an office in some other place. And I've never met the mayor. I've never spoken to an elected official, you know, we've tried to get a permit for X and I don't get a call back, but in Miami, be it through Beaton Council or through you know any other partner, uh, there's really an openness. I think this community is excited and uh, willing to welcome newcomers and try to you know we're proud of our community, want to show it off, and and there's there's that real sense of of excitement and, and willingness to support business. I think that that's a really big uh, piece. And then and the last to kind of round that out would be you know we have a lot of great infrastructure for certain industries. So our you know our, our downtown environment, the airport, the seaport, we've invested in some really state-of-the-art or, or industry-leading infrastructure to support our growth. That's not necessarily across the board, however. We have some pretty big challenges. Obviously, we're not a major industrial uh, market. If, if you're looking for large industrial facilities or land, you know, 20, 50 acres of land, you know that's going to be a challenge. If you're looking for a market that has a really dynamic transportation system, I mean, pretty good. Brightline's a fantastic, you know, fantastic addition. Tri-Rail now coming into downtown, uh, Metro Rail, Metro Mover. But uh, we know that to, to really grow, we're going to have to expand that. Our housing stock, you know, we, we have to, to address as well. So I think there's some challenges there. But for, you know, for some of the industries we're trying to grow, especially tech, finance, trade and logistics, life sciences and healthcare, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a, a great competitive uh, position. That's awesome. So what is the most misunderstood concept about the Beacon Council or working with the Beacon Council? I've gotten I've gotten questions uh, all of all types over the years. I think one of the things that we always want to clarify is that our services are at no cost. So we are funded by primarily Miami-Dade County. Uh, we have a number of private sector investors as well. We're a public-private partnership. And that investment into Beacon Council underwrites all the services that, that my team provides. You know, we're really here to help. And, uh, and we're, you know, the, the only thing we're selling is the concept of, of Miami. 
think the other thing that sometimes is misunderstood is the role that incentives play in business relocations or expansions. When we go back and look over the last decade, on average, 11%, so between 10 and 12% of our projects each year are incentivized. So it's a very small part. So when we, we typically, we can talk about what a project means for us, but we typically support about 50 or so companies a year. So we're talking about five, maybe between four and six companies that are incentivized uh, each year. And those incentives are not funded by the Beacon Council. We do not sit on a big mattress of cash, if you will. Uh, these are programs that are established by our state, our county, our municipalities, and we help companies identify their eligibility and apply and, and, and secure those funds. But uh, incentives are a small part of what we do. They just happen to be the ones that hit the newspaper, are the most talked about. That's when you get politicians involved. That's when uh, you, know, you get bigger announcements. And so that's what a lot of people assume that we do, but it's a very small. So as a follow-up real quick, what is the number one service that people who contact you directly are looking for if it's not incentives? Right. So we do get a lot of calls of, hey, I want an incentive. And then you, you, know, you talk through it with them and <laughs> it just, you know, for a variety of reasons, it might not align. And that's partly the way our programs are structured, but also misunderstanding of, you know, what the process is. Where we find that we provide the most value is in kind of two ways information about our market. There are even companies that are here locally don't understand the resources that are available to them. They don't, they might not understand the kind of the broader landscape of the political system, the the talent availability, some of our economic drivers, again, like the airport, seaport, but especially those that are out of market, you know, misunderstanding. So we spent a lot of time uh, sharing information, telling people what, what those opportunities are. Primarily then it's what we call contacts and referrals. We maintain as best we can a lot of relationships across a lot of organizations, try to be knowledgeable about all the different support services, all the different functions of what everything from the Association of Realtors to the, you know, Carisource South Florida to the South Florida Regional Planning Council, blah, blah, blah. And so we're there to try to make the connection. So when we speak to a company and they do XYZ and they're trying to figure out how to enter the market uh, we can give them information, but then we can also say, you really need to speak to Rolanda Aedo at the CVB because he's going to know how to you know, connect you to X. Or you, know, you need to speak to Jennifer because she's going to be able to give you, you know, the, the, the skinny on the corporate real estate uh, landscape and understand what sub-market is going to be the best fit uh, and on and on. Uh, that's really where we spend, honestly, 80%, 90% of our time. Yeah, you know, I, I always have seen the Beacon Council and I have an interesting relationship I'm, I wanted to share with you, but with, with the Beacon Council, but, you know, I see you all as to be connectors, right? And to be problem solvers. Like every time that we've interacted, whether it is a company that is coming in here, but they need a very strong electrical grid, right? Because of the type of business that they want to install. So the, the, the connectivity that you have, whether you're connecting with somebody at FPL and then somebody locally in Miami-Dade County to figure out whether the grid is there to provide what they need uh, in order for them to grow. And I love that you you have a great purview to how the county works, right? And how you, how you navigate it. What I love about it even more is that you have that perspective, not only from the public sector, but from the private sector as well. So you really are able to connect the amalgam that makes up what Miami-Dade County is all about. As Jennifer mentioned in a prior life, I was a teacher 
for 10 years. And I remember I taught social social studies and government and economics. And I remember that going to a one-day training that was provided by the Beacon Council. And we spent a day with the Beacon Council. And then we had to create a lesson plan out of that day that had to do with, you know, some economic development. By the way, you can still Google it. You can Google my last name and Google the three little pigs because we did a, we did a whole lesson about teaching higher order thinking skills. And that was my first interaction with the Beacon Council. And I thought that that was great because it, it just gives you so much access to every aspect of the community because education is also an important component for those that are coming into, into, our, into our county. I wanted to ask you, you know, and you alluded to it, we also have some challenges, right? And I think your CEO has spoken about the fact that, but we have the right people in place to be able to address those challenges, right? Uh, we've spoken about housing affordability and um, and some of the other items that you mentioned. So what, do you, what are you seeing as the biggest challenge uh, to attracting businesses to Miami-Dade yeah. County? Well, first of all, no community is perfect, right? I mean, New York is maybe one of the best cities in the world. They've got some serious challenges. Seattle, every time I tell people, oh, Seattle's beautiful. Yeah, they have some massive homeless issues that they're struggling through right now that the downtown core is emptied like a lot of you know other cities. Miami has, of course, its own challenges. I think that the primary one right now we're seeing that, that impacts business is the cost of housing. And again, that's time back to talent. So if you are, let's give a real world example, Kaseya, who announced, uh, I guess that was last year now in 2023, that they're going to continue to expand and they're going to add 3,400 new jobs into downtown Miami. Fantastic. Any community, you know, would salivate over that type of opportunity, a, a homegrown technology company adding thousands of jobs. And, and they're great wages. I, I've Forget exactly that. I think there was somewhere around 110, 120,000 average wage, right? Which is well above uh, the average wage for Miami County. The ability for them to hire folks locally, not because the talent, if it's available, but then where these people can live and to, the, to recruit people from, a, call it a Dallas or Atlanta, you know, where they have these large suburban areas that you can live in a 3,000 square foot home and, you know, commute in, you know, you know, a reasonable amount of time into a downtown center, you know, that is very limited in, in greater Miami. And so right now, I think the biggest depressant, if you will, on, on our growth, which has been pretty astronomical coming out of, you know, the early days of COVID 2020 is the, the overall cost. And now we've seen, you guys know better than I, but we've seen those numbers, I think kind of peak maybe fall of last year, things are starting to quote unquote level out. And some of that is, you know, changing in zoning. Some of that is new construction. Uh, some of that is the, you know, it, it's a, it's kind of just simple supply and demand too. We had a huge demand for people, for our market and people relocating. And a lot of those people that were relocating had the means to, you know, spend, you know, another few extra percent on a home to, to win the deal. And that drove our housing prices up. That was also coupled with national inflation and then the inflation reduction to try to, you know, increase interest rates. And all so all those things compound where we had, I think, 2023, you know, a real challenge there where we were becoming unaffordable. And we, and we know that what the 
federal government, we had that announcement that, that South Florida was kind of ground zero for housing on affordability. And, uh, and our mayor to address that in a major way. And I think that's starting to pay off now. Yeah, and I think that we have other, you know, the state is also a, a part of the solution, right? Because it's it's a multi-pronged solution. So like uh, things like the Live Local Act, we're starting to see how that is having an effect. And so I'm sure that that's part of, of your presentation as well. There's always challenges, but I think, especially since, as you said, you get to travel so much, what has one of your biggest surprises been either in terms of the effect of the Beacon Council or the popularity of Miami, whatever it is, in your travels and talking to companies, what has been the biggest surprise? Well, I think, you know, I'm quoting somebody else because I think this might even be a Bill Talbert uh, line. There's plenty of quote from Bill Talbert, of course. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a decade ago, you'd be in another market, maybe, you know, be it Europe or other parts of the U.S. And you say you're from Miami, like, oh, oh Miami, interesting, you know, okay. But now, you know, now that that's changed a little bit. It's, oh, Miami, you know, very excited. And, and oh, I love that city. So I think, I think I, I've, maybe it's not surprised, but I'm just, I'm happy to see that, you know, what we recognize is what we have here wasn't maybe always understood, especially in the U.S. I think that when you're in Spain, when you're in France, Europeans have an understanding of, of Miami as an international city. And obviously Latin America, uh, even more so of what Miami represents in, in Latin America. In the U.S., again, coming from Seattle, honestly, I still get that. I was, I was just home for around the holidays. What's going on down there? What, what? <laughs> you know, like all you hear is is the you know the kind of the political beat of we're doing such and such to our schools or this that and the other and uh, it, you know it's a big state there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of different things going on here so I think there's still there's still room to correct that narrative but when I started at Beacon some of our talking points I mean I remember it wasn't too long ago I was looking through a, a came across a presentation that we did some years ago and it was top 10 misconceptions about Miami. And it was, everybody speaks Spanish and there's too many bugs and, and, you know, crime is so high. I mean, this is, this is what we were dealing with in, you know, 08, 09. The conversation is totally different now, of course, you know, it, it's, it's a much more <laughs> modern conversation. The idea of like the kind of Miami vice concept is so stuck in, in people's minds outside of our market. I still find that it, it's, it, it, it somehow comes up in conversation, maybe not directly, but indirectly. Yeah. But James, don't you find also, uh, you know, and to your point, when you're speaking with someone that is out, out of the country, right, looking into Miami, that the, there, is a, there is a power to the name of the brand, but sometimes they're talking about from Palm Beach down to the Keys, and they're calling it Miami, right? That's another, that's another really interesting component here, right? Exactly. And we, we saw this a lot. In that kind of migration during COVID, we were talking to people like, oh, yeah, I just moved to Miami. Oh, yeah, what, what neighborhood? What area? Oh, oh Palm Beach. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell you an interesting story. We, we had the opportunity. This was some years ago. I joined a group that went up to New York to pitch JetBlue, to, not to relocate their headquarters. I mean, that's been another conversation that, that you know, they've, they've retained in, in New York, but to begin flying to MIA. And I think they do now... But uh, uh, this stuck with me is they said, you know, they let us do all the presentations and, you know, <laughs> do our thing. And they said, you know, thank you so much. But we've already pulled our uh, our passengers and 
they don't see the difference. You know, when, when, when we offer them flights into Fort Lauderdale, they're flying to Miami. And so we don't feel the need to, to fly into MIA because you're already there. And I, I think that's, that kind of stuck with me in thinking about a lot of people see that you're right. The brand of Miami is really anything south of Okeechobee. <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing, right? It's That's not a bad thing. It just shows how well, what a great job Miami has done at branding right. itself as a place where everybody wants to be. Fun, you're exactly right. And the funny thing is, is on the flip side of that, we get ourselves all tied up. You know, if I say Miami, am I talking about the city of Miami? And if I'm a county government, I better add the Miami-Dade County into that conversation. Or if I'm with our friends in Broward and I don't say South Florida, I say greater Miami, I'll get a, I'll get some comments on the side. So we, you know, how we talk about the brand is also very interesting. And I think one of the things that the county did that was brilliant years ago is that they recognized the strength of the brand of Miami. So they added Miami in front of Dade County, right? Um, And something that the other counties I don't think have been as as resourceful or as successful in doing. Well, if you're a heat fan, it's Wade County. Yes, so. that's true. <laughs> I think every broker in South Florida needs to listen to a presentation about our market from the Beacon Council. You guys do amazing work at uh, really understanding first and foremost the market and then being able to convey the message that is going to uh, move the needle. So what advice do you have for brokers about working with economic development entities and, you know, uh, particularly the Beacon Council? Yeah, thank you. I'd like to think that we do a good job, but honestly, we learn a lot from our broker community too. The narrative of what Miami is and what we have to offer is ever-changing. And the broker community and other professional services, like our lawyers and our bankers, they're, you know, they're on the ground just like uh, we are in getting, you know, getting that feedback. How people should work with us, <clears throat> it's, it's just an open invitation. We're, as I said, there's kind of no fee for service. We're here to champion Miami. Uh, we're here to partner with everybody. Uh, we're here to have wins for our community. Uh, we don't need to own those wins. Maybe that goes back to some of the misconceptions. There's always, I, I get the com- the comments that, you know, we want to claim, you know, Beacon tries to claim X or Y. Honestly, that's not the case. We want Miami to win. And sure, we'll, you know, we'll add our name to the press release uh, if, you know, if the, the company requests, but we want the mayor's name in, uh, you know, in neon lights on on that uh, announcement as well, and and whomever is is part of the mix. But reach out, spend some time with with our team. If it's at an event, if it's if we're hosting something, if you're a broker, you're hosting an event, or there's some opportunity to learn about a new building, you know, please call us up, invite us over. We're hosting a group from uh, JLL next week that's representing a building here in Brooklyn just to come talk about the building and what the opportunities are and what kind of companies are looking for and how we can support each other, you know, mutually. It's, you know, it's about like anything else, uh, relationships. And the more that we know, I know to call, you know, Fernando or Jennifer, if I have a question, I, you know, I need that list to be as long as possible to, uh, to be able to uh, support the, the, you know, the requests we have and vice versa. Hopefully that, you know, we can bring value when a, a broker is working with a client and trying to land that deal, we have absolutely no problem feeding information through the broker. You guys put your logo on the top of that deck or that page. 
or bring us in as a confidential partner to talk about the incentive programs or you know how we can assist with permitting. We don't even need to know the name of the company uh, you know at the early stages uh, and and we do that sometimes as well just you know come in and and kind of give our pitch and provide uh, information and you know we'll take the direction from from the broker again in the end all we're trying to do is tell the story of Miami tell about you know share that narrative of what our opportunities are and hopefully win more deals. Yeah, and the Beacon Council has been a great resource to realtors. We have a great partnership. The Miami Realtors Association has a great partnership. And and personally, I thank you because I've picked up the phone a couple of times to call you and say, hey, I have a crypto banking firm coming down here. And where's, you know, they have a huge energy requirement. And between you and FPL, you know, kind of help pinpoint the area. So, so thank you for that. I also wanted to maybe, maybe we should call them for paddleboard. Yeah, I know. Since oh we... my gosh. How many calls do you get from paddleboard companies or, or, or pickleball? Interestingly, no, I, I can't say that I've gotten, uh, I guess they know that, that we can't help too much. Uh, you know, if, if they're manufacturing or if they're, uh, you know, an office operation, but for, for recreational, not much we can do there. And I do want to point um, to Fernando's previous question about brokers working with you as well as um, investors and business owners. Um, the Beacon Council has a wonderful site selection page that is full of information on demographics, workforce. I think it lists like 47 different cities that you can compare to find out if they have the workforce you're looking for, the population you're looking for, et cetera. So um, I would definitely tell our listeners that um, that's an, that's an awesome resource on your site. Well, if I could just add, so MiamiDadeSites.com, and it's uh, it's a partnership between the Beaton Council and Miami-Dade County. The county provides all the GIS overlay. And and that's MiamiDadeSites.com. Sites, plural, right. MiamiDadeSites.com, plural. And, and the third partner, of course, is the Realtors Association, because the majority of the properties uh, on that site is a direct feed from, from your MLS. But what's great is it's 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 the sites. But as you said, you if if you go poke around there, you can get full demographic information. You can draw a circle around a neighborhood or a building, and you can get all the businesses in the area. Uh, you can get the educational attainment. So all these great levels of detail that typically you used to have to call us and we'd run our analysis, and then you know a week would come back with a you know a, a PDF or a report. Now you can just click around and, and you know, find that information uh, however you like. And obviously, if you have questions, you can always call us. But it's, it's a great free resource for the broker community or for any business or individual that's interested in learning more about, you know, certain parts of Miami. Yes, thank you for that. It's it's very rich and, and detailed. Um, at the beginning, you said that um, you would go over, I don't know if it's still considered one community, one goal, or what the goals are for for this year for the Beacon Council, what the strategic plan is, the new strategic plan, if you'd love to, I'd love for you to cover that for us. Yeah, so you mentioned one community, one goal, I'll I'll start there. Uh, It was actually, there were two phases of that. The most recent one, what I think goes back to like 2012, so over over a decade or so. And it really, I think, set the path for Beacon Council, but I, I do believe to Miami at a larger extent on the growth over the last decade, identifying the opportunities for us to focus in on, on a tech-led ecosystem, establishing our target industries, 
uh, aligning our education institutions with economic development in what we have this group called our Academic Leaders Council, where we have the presence of the universities engaged. But like anything in time, it needed to you know be be refreshed and and reconsidered. And so right now we've we've kind of developed two things. We have Opportunity Miami, which is led by Matt Hagman, uh, and that is really a future-focused program identifying kind of not only the challenges that we're facing, but solutions nationally, internationally, how other communities are addressing these things, and then trying to tie it back to what does that mean for our community. And Opportunity Miami is its own webpage. It's it's a Beacon uh, Council-owned program, but branded slightly differently to kind of you know address a, a different audience. But that, that's not our strategic plan. So as Rod Miller, who is our uh, current CEO, he joined us uh, February, March of 23. So he's about 10 months in or so. And he came, um, he's led economic development organizations all around the, the country, New Orleans, Detroit, and most recently, Puerto Rico. We were able to recruit him to Miami. I think he's a fantastic fit for our market. Speaks Spanish, you know, you know knows the, the Caribbean, obviously, very well from his most recent post. But... Uh, has deep relationships across the economic development and private sector industry. And so as we've, as he's kind of gotten to know the market and through the summer and then leading up to what was the kind of the rollout of our strategic plan at our annual meeting in November, we've kind of repositioned the organization. I'll, I'll kind of cut through that right now. So really establishing a new and updated mission for the organization, which is to build a more sustainable inclusive and competitive greater Miami for all. So before it was, our mission is to help create jobs. Great. You know, like, yes, we should be doing that, but we never really answer the why. Right. So this is taking that a little further, right? So sustainable, meaning not the ups and downs, the boom and bust cycles that we've had in the past, how we grow a more sustained growth trajectory for our community. Of course, sustainability also environmental sustainability, you know, we don't want to be inundated. And yes, we'll have hurricanes and you know other storms in the future, but how can we minimize those impacts? Inclusive, of course, the only way that our economy is going to be as successful as it can be is allowing, you know, everybody to participate. So that means everything from gender to race to age to what neighborhood you're in should have as much equal access to the prosperity that we have in our marketplace. So that's something that we have to focus on. Obviously, there's a lot of money and opportunity in this market, but it's not necessarily accessible to all. And then competitive in, as you guys know, it's a very competitive market out there. Miami is, you know, has had a good run in recent years. Our future is not necessarily secure. Uh, we have to you know, keep at that every day and, and understand you know, from a policy standpoint, uh, from an infrastructure standpoint, from a cost perspective. We talked about us being less competitive because of our housing costs. Uh, we really need to address those issues. And then, so that's that's kind of our, our key focus. Within that, we have five pillars, which are a little more straightforward. Grow our economy, that's business development. We got to keep, you know, keep expanding and growing new business here. Championing, championing Miami. So that's telling our story, new marketing campaigns, updating the Miami brand to include not just it's a great destination to, you know, to come and stay in a hotel and visit, but it's also a great place to relocate your business. Investing in people. So that goes to the talent piece. It's, you know, 
we need to continue to invest and grow in not just the uh, education system, but in, in additional trainings, in uh, access to, to opportunities, uh, shaping the future, looking at you know, those things five, 10 years down the road. Uh, and that's really where we're, there's a lot of conversations right now about our climate resiliency, how we can turn that into an opportunity, transformational change for our market. And then deliver on all this and track it and be able to uh, share our our successes with the community. So that framework is how we are approaching our work this year. We're on the fiscal year, same as the county, October 1. Kind of kick this off. We're in just the, you know, the second quarter, but we're really excited about the direction that this is going and the new the new impacts for Beacon Council. You know, I think that as people are listening to this and I've, I've heard you and Rod speak to, you know, one of the things that I love about that sentence to build a more sustainable, inclusive, competitive Miami. I love the ending, which is open to all. And, and I know we've spoken about not only in the part of inclusivity and the part of uh, equal opportunity is, is also about everyone benefiting from better paying jobs, from better opportunities. You know, I, I once did a presentation on Miami, and one of the things that I wanted to leave people with was about the fact that we're a very young city, right? We're, we're about 126 years old. And if you look at all the major cities around the world, Los Angeles, 240 years old, Boston, 391 years old, New York City, 398 years old, Tokyo, 400 years, Shanghai, 731, London is over 2,000 years old, Paris is over, you know, we're, we're, we're at a point where I feel that Miami is maturing and growing, you know, and I, and I feel that institutions like the Beacon Council are a big part of how we're going to grow conscientiously, that we're not just going to get there by happenstance, but that it requires a steady hand and it requires civic institutions to be a part of that of that steady hand. Yeah, yeah. You just remind me. So Rod tells this story a lot and I'll, I'll, I'll summarize, but I, th I think it's kind of a great example. He talks about his teenage son wanting to race him and, and, and how he lost. But, you know, you talk about the, the youth of Miami and it is, it, you know, we're, we're young, but we're kind of, you know, we're kind of getting there. Like it's time to, you know, get serious about life and figure out, uh, you know, our career or whatever. <laughs> um, but to do that, you have to, you have to kind of get serious about a few things. So I think, you know, that that's where we've been able to have some amazing growth and success, you know, without necessarily, digging deep in, in some places and uh, figuratively, you know, and, and investing. Whereas, you know, right now the, you know, the, the septic to sewer issue that is being led by certain county commissioners, I mean, that, that for long-term growth, we're going to have to make some really tough decisions there, right? Uh, transit, it's horribly expensive, but if we don't, if we don't do it now, it's, we're, gonna, we're already a decade too late, but if we don't do it for another 10 years, damn, we're going to be 20 years too late. And, and you know, another example. So there's, and, and coordination as well. You know, we work, we Beacon Council work well with a lot of our partners. But you look at other markets where there's deeper integration, where there's less infighting between, you know, the, the cities and the county and the region and this mess of, you know, as I said, what do we call this? What do we call that? There, there's, there's a lot of refinement that uh, still needs to be done. And, and that's, that's actually exciting. I think that's, that's, you know, the fun work we have ahead of us. 
No, absolutely, absolutely. Before you get to the sure. last, last question, I wanted to ask you, what's one lesson that living in Miami <laughs> from <laughs> Seattle has taught you that you think everybody should learn at some point in their life? <laughs> because living in Miami is different from living in a lot of places in the U.S. God, the, the first thing that comes to mind is in the summer, don't try to rush. Don't try to do anything too fast because you'll just break out into a sweat. So that was like... I've gotten used to it now, but those first few uh, summers, uh, yeah. And I don't know, maybe maybe this is not unique to Miami, but I love the, you know, we talk, we call it diversity, but it's just, it's kind of just the, the mosaic of Miami. And, you know, you go out and you can find anything at any time. And that's something I, I think that people that are relocating to Miami, they're either going to love that and thrive on on the just the dy dynamic dynamism now <laughs> now, yes, now, now you got me the doing it of Miami. <laughs> you guys are a pair of wordsmiths <laughs> but other people uh you know honestly and then we, I've, we've talked to folks over the years that have come and they're like it, this isn't for me and you know what that that's fine there's a you know big world out there it's a it's a special place it really really is and no matter what the, uh, you know, the international news cycle, uh, my wife and I always joke, there's always a Miami angle, right? You know, they're always, you're always going to find that somebody passed through Miami to get to something. And uh, so sometimes we find ourselves in, you know, in the mix on could be anything. So, James, we can't thank you enough for your time. This this has been wonderful. Is, is there is there one last thing that you want to leave our listeners with uh, to, you know, a big takeaway? Take Big takeaway. So most of your listeners are local brokers, right? We really don't uh, know. We have no idea. Well, we actually have somebody <laughs> from Brussels who is one of our most frequent listeners. That's true. That's true. So, shout out. Shout out to one her. One takeaways maybe is you guys should do some analytics. Yeah. and uh, we're, we're waiting. We're okay. waiting. We, this is still very, very yeah. new. We're in our infancy kind of like Miami. <laughs> So uh, I think that, you know, the takeaway for local or our international listeners is just the uh, optimism that I have. And I think a lot of my colleagues have for Miami. Uh, we talked about it being a young community. We talked about all the, you know, the growth. We talked about some of the challenges, but those challenges are great challenges to have for a market that's growing. We're not, again, we're not talking about, oh my gosh, our, you know, our retail, all our major retail is leaving downtown. Uh, we're not talking about our, you know, our challenge of keeping talent because, you know, Jennifer's kids are now moving back to Miami and, and you know, so, so are a lot of other folks. Uh, we're not talking about, you know, rusting infrastructure in our, you know, in our business centers. We are, you know, we are challenged by amazing growth and amazing demand. And we are geographically blessed in a, you know, a, a definitely situated in the United States, but very much of the region. And, and I think culturally represent that. Um, we're the closest port to U.S. port to Africa and great ties to, you know, you can get anywhere uh, from MIA that you want. Going to get that Japanese flight one of these days. But, um, but just the optimism of, of where Miami is and, and, and our future. There's just so much good to be done. A lot of the, the new to market uh, folks are showing challenging some of the, uh, I think, the existing philanthropy in this market. 
I think that's exciting just to see, you know, where people are putting some really big dollars. And that's, you know, that that's going to be transformational long term. And I, I think that's challenging others to to think differently about investing in our community in a long term way. Of, as, as we know, in some ways, it's been, a, you know, a community where people weren't necessarily convinced they were going to be here for the long term. You know, maybe just until the change of government or just until I get, you know, the next thing. Uh, and there's some deeper roots being. Well, I love I love that your biggest takeaway is optimism. By the way, one of Jennifer's kids, Corinna, is the editor of this podcast. She also makes amazing banana bread. I say that shamelessly because I haven't had it in a while. You're a big I'm fan, a big of, banana fan bread. of banana bread. I'm going to get you a piece We're of Corinna's banana bread. <laughs> chocolate chips? Is this she a chocolate can. banana she, bread? It's or? a vegan banana bread, but you'd never know it. It's, it's, really it's amazing. <laughs> Take it from me. Walnuts kill it for me. No, she won't do walnuts. Walnuts bad. Good, good. Or walnuts good. Okay. So um, she did go to SCAD, but she came back. So so I've got two out of three back. Um, I know I didn't give you a heads up. We do a fun fact at the end of podcasts. So I don't know if you have one or not that you want to pull up. James, if not, I'll go to Fernando and let you. Sure. Think about so it. We, we always like to share any, you know, little bit of data that we get. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about is this comes from um, the Bolta Economist, which we we quote Elliot Eisenberg. And this is about construction in, uh, you know, at the towards the end of 2023. So for the year ending November 2023, construction spending totaled $2.05 trillion. That's 73% of GDP. And it is up 11.3% year over year. And we're hoping that this continues because we're seeing the need to add more housing units and for that growth of construction, which we're certainly seeing it in Miami. And uh, we believe, as we mentioned earlier with the Live Local Act, that this is something that is gonna continue to grow. Uh, the Whitman family just announced that they're uh, doing a development in Ball Harbor shops, which um, they've been able to create this mixed use development using the Live Local Act, which means that in this 600 unit residential component of the complex, 240 of those units are going to be for workforce housing, which means that there are 120% of uh, the average median income for Miami-Dade County, which would mean that a family that is making $90,000 a year is going to be able to afford to buy one of the units in Ball Harbor shops that are uh, soon to be under construction. So, you know, again, I think that's uh, that bodes well for uh, addressing some of the uh, growing pains. Uh, let's not call them challenges, which is what it is. They're growing pains. So how about you, partner? Well, let me see. I think James came up with something. Read this yesterday, and I was just talking to my kids about this morning. It's, it's a, a little random, but Hertz, the car rental company, announced that they are going to sell their full fleet of electric vehicles. It's 20,000 EVs. They obviously, I don't know when this was, a year or two ago, believed that that was the future of car rentals and purchased, I guess, 20,000 plus. And it's not working out so well. And as I understand, primarily because of the infrastructure to support an electric vehicle. And I, I happen to have one myself, but the only way it works is I have a charger at home. You know, if you're renting a car, it doesn't work. So I, I think it's it's an interesting kind of analogy of how infrastructure needs to keep up with uh, some of these uh, other business decisions. It might be the right ones, but... Or maybe they were just ahead of their time. We actually have a colleague, shout out to Gonzalo Sosa, who yeah. came 
and was visiting here and he rented an EV and he loved the car and he said it was beautiful until he tried to go to Tampa. <laughs> exactly. he realized yes. that there just weren't charging stations that he wasn't going to be able to get there on one battery charge and so he had to cancel that trip but your point is you know we need the infrastructure and it needs to be i guess if you're if you're you know an elon musk fan and you drive a tesla you seem to be okay because most of the infrastructure has been built for teslas but he did not rent a tesla he rented a different car and they did not have the infrastructure for the rest of the state so good good point and great fact i, I knew you'd be able to to rally <laughs> with no with no warning for me it was um that spain maintained its position as the top foreign direct investment investment market into Miami in 2023. Have you have you seen any of that with people coming through the Beacon Council? So Spain is the number one foreign direct investment market for us uh, from a project standpoint. Part of that is we believe because we've invested heavily in Spain, we go there every year. We have deep relationships with the trade promotion agencies, the Binational Chambers of Commerce. And we always put on uh, at least one, if not multiple events. They're kind of, again, telling our story, why to do business in Miami. We are finalizing dates, but we'll be there. I think we're looking at the second week of April to once again, spend some time. Uh, last year, we were in Madrid and uh, Galicia uh, and have you know, seen some results. Every time uh, we, we spend you know, three, five days in Spain, we come back with, uh, you know, a dozen or so prospects. And a year later, we've got a couple, you know, wins to show for it. So Spain's a great market for Miami. And I think we'll be for. Thank you so much. Well, James, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, this is definitely being a special episode. It's a lot of great data and great information. And we welcome you to visit the Miami-Dade Beacon Council website. It's just filled with information. And if you ever have an opportunity to listen to a presentation by James or Rod or any one of the Beacon Council, uh, do yourselves a favor and, uh, and definitely attend. So for Jennifer and myself, James, we thank you. And uh, bye, everybody. Make it a great day.